And sometimes the Lord's good, and he, well, he's good all the time, but the Lord's good and says, let me just uh, show you a way I'm confirming what you're going to share. And uh, so I got on the phone and talked with this person, and they're going to just share this morning before I bring the message about what God is speaking to their heart. And uh, it's appropriate because there's a way that you possibly can be involved. So, Amanda, would you come and just share a little bit about uh, how this came about? and then uh, what it is and, and how folks can uh, be a part. I'll give you a forewarning. I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> I think I already am, actually. God's presence is so strong here today, and it's always such a wonderful thing to be in his presence. Um, one of the things that I don't normally sit around and think about is homeless people. Um, it's not generally something I'm thinking about or worried about. Um, there have been different times in my life and in my ministry where I've even prayed to God, would you give me a practical way to help? And for a while I worked down at Haven of Rest and uh, did some ministry there, did some cleaning and things like that. And um, I don't know why, but after leaving, I had to work on, I can't remember what day it was, I think it was Friday, and I left, and they were saying how it was going to be cold, and they didn't think we would be having school and things like that. And that night, um, I said to Tom, I said, I'm going to say something weird. Don't laugh at me, but I'm worried about homeless people. Because <laughs> it was random. We were, like, eating dinner or something. We weren't talking about anything. And he goes, okay, like, in general? Or I said, no, I'm particularly, I don't know why. I just have like this worry in my heart about the homeless people that are going to be out there with these frigid temperatures that we're supposed to have. And later that night, I was talking to my son, Nate, before he went to bed, and I said, I'm just really worried. There's going to be people out there. They're saying, you know, things in my little severe warning thing I get on my phone. Skin can freeze. Do not have your skin exposed. And I thought not just about the people who are going to shelters, but the people who won't go to a shelter. The people that are going to be out there that are too proud or don't think they need to, or maybe they haven't heard, whatever it is, whatever their issue is. And so Nate said, Mom, I'm going to pray about that. And I said, okay, you pray about that. I don't know, you know, it, I didn't even know why I was feeling that way. But the next morning I woke up, Saturday morning, and literally the first thought that popped into my head was, you need to do something to help these people. And I thought, this is crazy because this weather's supposed to hit starting Monday night, I think, or Monday, or maybe tonight, overnight. And I had a birthday party for Nate going on yesterday. So I still had to cook and finish cleaning and all the things that I had to do. And the longer I was awake, the more I felt it was just constant. You need to help. You need to do something. You need to help. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't even, I know this is God because I don't even have time to be thinking about this. And so I sat down and I said, okay, I have a really great resource in social media. Um, Facebook is my friend. It's also my worst enemy. And uh, I literally am able to contact thousands of people through Facebook between my friends and my music ministry page and things like that. And I was I, I called a friend of mine, and I said, am I just completely crazy? Because I feel like God is telling me to do this by tomorrow. And she's like, no, I think that that came from someplace. And I said, okay. So I hung up, and I got on Facebook, and I typed a really long post on my music page about how this burden was on my heart. 
and that I wanted to start collecting some hats and scarves and mittens and blankets. And if people could donate, I would be in Streetsboro. I'd be around. I didn't know how I was going to get any of the stuff since I was having like 30 people at my house last night. But, um, and that I would be here today. And uh, I put it out there, and then I hit enter, and I was like, oh, what did I just do? <laughs> but what I did was I felt like I just needed to be obedient to God, to what he was telling me to do, even though it didn't make sense, even though it seemed like a really improbable thing to do. And even my thought was, even if all that happens is I gather this stuff in my own home, and then I go out and give it, then that's helping whoever God wanted to help. Um, to be honest, it wasn't like God was like, go to Akron Food Bank and do this, or go to Haven of Rest and do this. I just know I'm supposed to give it to homeless people. I am waiting on God's direction today. So part of um, what I want to ask is to implore you. By 3 o'clock today, can you bring stuff here to give to me? Um, as I was going to bed last night, I thought about, what happens when you're cold? Your lips get chapped. Your skin gets chapped. I have a whole bunch of Burt's Bees lip balm at home, unopened, that I got as gifts um, from my school kit and from my students on my bus. And I thought, I don't need 10 things of chapstick. But there sure is a homeless person whose lips are going to be hurting and dried and clack, cracked and bleeding. And so God really put this burden on my heart. And I don't know if he's putting it on your heart. I could be standing up here and you could be thinking, well, that's really nice for you. But... If he is stirring your heart, if God is asking you to be a part of this, would you join me in helping? All I'm asking you to do is to come and bring stuff down to the South Lobby today. I'm going to sort it all. Um, I really hope God is nudging somebody's heart to want to come with me to go find these people. And um, because I do believe God's going to direct me exactly where to go and who needs it. Um, and I'm really stepping out in faith. But um, if you feel so inclined to join that faith journey with me. Please just see me. If you don't, don't worry about it. Sometimes God just says, nope, this one's not for you. But um, just be encouraged to be listening to the prompting of the Spirit. Um, I didn't have a light shine down from heaven to tell me to do this, but sometimes when it's God, you just know that it's God. Take your Bibles, if you will, and as you are, children, you may be dismissed to young disciples this morning. I want you to go to the book of First Kings. First Kings. As you're turning, would you also take a minute and just check your cell phone? Make sure it's been silenced. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Don. <laughs> Some churches have the amen corner. We have the amen aisle here. Well, Happy New Year. I don't know how many Happy New Year's you've had in your life. Some of you, uh, maybe 15 or 16, some of you 80 or more, but the calendar has that way of uh, moving forward and flipping over on us, and uh, I just changed my 2013 Border Collie calendar from my 2014 
border collie calendar, and if you don't know why I have a border collie calendar, you can ask me after the service. The New Year has a, has a way of helping us look ahead or encouraging us to look ahead and to the future and to do so with a renewed hope. And uh, a hope oftentimes for change, uh, leaving past things behind, mistakes and failures and bad choices and things we wish we would have done that we didn't and things that we should never have done but we did and all of those kinds of things to kind of turn our focus away from what's behind us and and to look into the future. And as we look into the future, I think as time moves on, we know more and more for sure that there's only one place to secure our hope in the future. If you've lived long enough, you know that there have been years where there's been temptation to secure our hope in a lot of things. A booming economy, uh, lots of employment, financial security, yada, 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 yada. And uh, those days are not our days today. And so when you look into the new year, what do you secure your hope to? What do you cling to? What do you look forward to? Where is your expectation? I encourage you this morning, hope in God. Hope in God. Not something he will do or not do. Something that he will give or not give. Something that he will say or not say. Or something that you're expecting from him that maybe is not within his will or plan. Just secure your hope in him. Just in him. Pure and simple. For there's a lot of things that we can put our hope in. We can hope for. We can hope for greater financial security. Maybe finding better employment or maintaining the financial security that you think you may have. Maybe finding strength for your physical body, your health. Maybe receiving healing. Maybe there's hope for that. Or or getting healthier in this new year. Put our hope in that direction or having a closer relationship with your husband or with your wife or maybe resolving conflict that you have with a friend or or a family member. Those are good things to think about when we think about the new year, but they're not good things to put our hope in. They're not good things to secure our hope and our trust in. My prayer for each of you and our testimony uh, is an example of this this morning. My prayer for you in this new year is that you hear the voice of God. So that you hear his voice. Because no matter, and we've heard it said through the worship time, and you know, even in the song that the choir sang, in the good times and bad, you know, 2014, who knows, right? Who really knows? You could say today, well, I'm young, So 2014 is going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be great. I know young people that have had horrible things happen in 2013. There's no no safety zone around the young. There's no safety zone around the righteous or the holy. Life happens. Things come. And so when things do come... Where do we secure ourselves in the middle of change? The ups, the downs, the goods, the bads, the gains, the losses, the health, the illness, and all that comes with a new year. My friend, the security comes from our hope in God.
God. I believe today that God is speaking. God is still speaking. He's not a God in Acts 28 who shut the book and said, I've said everything I need to say. They've got a Bible and they can use it. Do we have a Bible and should we use it? Yes. But God continues by his word and through his spirit to speak today. In fact, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to you. You might say, oh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think God's speaking to me. Is the question, is God speaking to you or are you hearing him speak? Remember how the Apostle John talked in Revelation, the first three chapters? He said, he who has an ear to hear what the Spirit says. So there's the one who speaks, but then there's the one who has or has not the ear to hear. I believe today that God is speaking. And in these days, it's not just good. But it's critical, it's vital, that you and that I hear his voice. It's not like, it'd be kind of nice if I heard God's voice. It'd be kind of nice if I knew what his will was. It'd be kind of nice if I got a word from him. It'd be kind of nice. I believe we're living in days where it's going to be critical. It's going to be very crucial and vital for us to hear the voice of God. Now I'm going to ask again for a glass of water from a nice gentleman at the door. You can decide which one of you are nice. How many of you have been sick over the holiday? I want to see if I'm in good company or bad company or no company or a lot of company. You can pray for me this morning. My voice and throat are a little... I don't know, maybe the Lord doesn't want to get this word to you this morning, you know? Sometimes I wonder about things like that. There are a lot of voices in our world today, voices that are just screaming at us. They're just talking a mile a minute, 24-7. In fact, with technology, we can hear any voice we want almost any time of day we want to hear it. We just tune it in, bring it up on the computer, Bring it up through our iPhone, our iPad. We, we can hear about any voice that we want, about any time of the day that we want. We can hear the voice of celebrity. We can hear what's going on with Phil Robertson about any time of day. You know who he is? Nod your head. Okay. Many of you know what he's been saying. Some of you might agree and some of you might disagree. You know, what's in the future for Phil Robertson and what's he saying about Christian values and How's that going to, thank you, affect his career and his future? Some of us are very attuned to what's going on with celebrity. Some of us are very attuned to the voice of the athletes. Poor coach of the Cleveland Browns last week. One year of coaching. G-O-N-E, gone. Heard a lot of talk while I was on vacation because I have a a sports kind of family about, you know, the Browns, the ins and outs of the Browns, and 
the maladies of the Browns, the problems of the Browns, the quarterbacks of the Browns, the coaches of the Browns, the Browns, the Browns, the Browns. Some of us are very much in tune with, with athletic arena, and what's going on, and we agree and we disagree, and those voices are just talking at us. Those talking heads are just going a mile a minute. We have voices of the government talking to us all the time, and politics. Can you answer me this question? What really is the status of the Affordable Care Act? All I have to do is mention that title, and you could go on for hours. I know, I've sat with people who have gone on for hours. You know, who's going to benefit, and what's actually going on, and yada, yada, yada. The voices of entertainment, movies, music, gaming, to name a few. Their voices are so prominent that paragraphs of movie script and music lyrics and game terminology are floating in our heads so that at any time during a night out with friends, they can instantly be recited. Entertainment, we're saturated. Saturated with song lyrics and gaming and, and, and movies and, and all. And all of those things are just tumbling around in our minds. Why? Because of the voices. The voices of entertainment are pressing in on us. And here's one, the voice of technology. People are so connected, some to the point of dependency and addiction. There are people that go through withdrawal if you take their phone. To fast or to do without technology for a window of time can almost cause someone to shake. In fact, the voice of the phone through call or text, overrides the importance of a live conversation that you're having with a live person. Ever had that experience? Never, Tom. Somebody do that to Tom after church. You know you're enjoying that live conversation. You know what that is? Face-to-face, looking into the eyes of a person, seeing their smile and their reaction, hearing their voice, without a piece of technology, and then all of a sudden their phone goes off, and you've disappeared. You've just disappeared because technology, the, the text, the call, the urgent, the important has come. And the live person is secondary or maybe even non-existent. In fact, relationships can be started, conducted, and ended all by texting. I know teenagers who have met each other, gone out, and broken up, and never had a face-to-face conversation. Just nod if you know of something that could happen. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. Technology, technology, it has really jeopardized intimacy. It has really jeopardized conversation and touch. It's all been replaced, if we allow it to be, by technology, the voice of technology. And all these voices are available to you 24-7. 
anytime that you would like. And in the middle of all these things, there's still the voice of God. Thank God he hasn't gotten in his lazy boy and said, you know what, I'm not competing anymore. (laughs) There's too much clutter and noise and voices in the world. You know, my voice, I'm just going to sit down and kick back and just quit talking. 1 Kings 19, if you will. I know you're there in 1 Kings. Something happened in the life of Elijah that tells us a little bit about the nature of God and how he talks, how he speaks. And there's many places in scriptures we can look at this morning, but this, this little story, and I'm only going to read three verses here, verse 11, 12, and 13, about this little vignette or this little section of Elijah's uh, time. But starting with verse 11, it says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. What can we understand about the voice of the Lord through this short little story? First of all, if you read the bigger picture here, we see that Elijah is in a place of discouragement. Elijah is bummed out. He's down. He's discouraged. Why? He's on the run. Jezebel was out to kill Elijah in 24 hours. Why? Elijah called down fire on the prophets of Baal. Remember that story? It's back there in 1 Kings 18. Precedes this conversation Elijah's having with God. And if you were the king and the queen of a nation who worshipped Baal, and Baal was defeated, you'd be angry too. And so Ahab and Jezebel were after King Elijah, or after Elijah the prophet. And so Elijah fled, ran. In fact, it says at one point in this chapter that he wanted to die. He was alone. He was in a cave. He felt not only alone numerically as far as people around him, but he felt alone as if he was the only one that was serving God as his prophet He probably could have said, I have the hardest life of anybody. And in that moment, the Lord passes by. Notice in that passage we just read that God comes and Elijah experiences a windstorm. And it was a violent windstorm. But God wasn't there. Isn't it true that oftentimes acts of nature grab our attention and we think that God is speaking through them? And he very well may be. Earthquakes and typhoons and storms and sub-zero temperatures and the like. We believe, well, God, God speaks in the big stuff. He's speaking through this earthquake or this windstorm. 
But it says there in the scripture, God wasn't there. Then came an earthquake and then a fire, and God wasn't in either one of those either. This tells us something about the voice of God. God rarely speaks big and loud. God usually speaks soft and still. God rarely speaks externally in external situations and circumstances. He most often speaks with a gentle, internal, still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, we read it there in verse 13. He wrapped his face and his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Elijah knew God's voice and he responded and he came to listen. He came to talk with God. My friend today, God is speaking to his people. He's not speaking in a big voice. He's not speaking out in a loud culture. Pastor Matt talked about, you know, our cultural response to the things that we find around us as believers. What do we do? Do we get louder? Do we stand taller? Do we argue more? What do we do? He reminded us last week the recourse that we're to take as believers is to seek God. Here Elijah had the violent windstorm, the earthquake, and the fire. Was God in the big external activity out there? No, he wasn't. He was in the small, gentle whisper. How is it that God wants to speak to you and to me? This is important for us to begin here because God gets tagged and misrepresented many times told that he's spoken in a certain way that he really has not, and characteristically in ways that really are not him. Here are some examples. Sometimes we think that God is speaking because there's strong emotion or strong impression in us. We feel an emotion or we get an impression, and because we have that, we think, that's God. God may influence us that way, But it's not foundationally the way that he speaks. Another example is a way that misguides us when we think about God speaking is our fleshly desires. Remember, you have a sinful nature and it's active. I have a sinful nature. It's active. How do we know? Sin can still grab our attention. Temptation still has an opportunity within us. That lets us know that the sinful nature is still active and alive. And the sinful nature preys upon the flesh and what our flesh wants. And when our flesh is striving and speaking and clamoring, let me just tell you, it's not the voice of the Lord. It's not the voice of the Lord. God foundationally still speaks through his word. God still foundationally speaks to you and to me through his word. This is the starting place when you want to hear the voice of God. This is where you start. Not at Lifeway Bookstore staring at the top ten books on the shelf. 
oh God, I want you to speak to me. Can you do it through Max Licato, John Piper? Can you do it through an artist that I enjoy, a musical artist? Can you, can you do it through a teaching tape? Oh, God can speak through those means, but God's primarily, primary way of speaking to you is through his word. This is the starting place. This is how you come to know the voice of God. Jump over, if you will, into the New Testament to John chapter 10. God has a voice. He speaks. We can know it. We can hear it. And we can respond to it. John chapter 10. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. God is speaking. Jesus is the good shepherd, it says, and the sheep belong to him. He guides them and protects them with his voice. Knowing the voice of Jesus is vital because there are other voices that are wanting to bring you harm. Jesus called the voice the voice of a stranger. The voice of a stranger. And the voice of the stranger, according to verse 10, wants to lead the sheep away. The voice of a stranger is not benign. The enemy's voice is not there for entertainment. His voice is to draw you away from the shepherd so that he can kill and destroy and take and steal from you. So that strange voice that speaks to you is not for your good. In fact, Jesus says here, the reaction of the sheep to that voice should be, in verse 6, running away. Running away from the stranger's voice. God's voice is speaking to us. Do we recognize his voice? Do we hear his voice? Do we know his voice? God's word comes to us factually and truthfully through the word of the living God. Initially embodied in Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. God's word is embodied in Jesus Christ, his only Son. God's word is also given to us through the scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, go there if you will. We've got a couple other scriptures to look at this morning. 2 Timothy 3.16. love to hear that page turning right there. All scripture 
There's a sermon right there. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The scripture that you have in your hand today is not just ink on paper, is not just a book, is not just a best-selling book. What you have in front of you has been breathed of God. God's breath is in his word. God's life is in his word. This makes the Bible living, talking, breathing, active, working, touching, effective. It's not just like any other book that you pick up. Why has God breathed his word to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life? It's useful for teaching. The word of God will teach you. The the word of God will show you what is correct and what is incorrect in your living. But you have to be in the scripture to hear the voice of scripture, to see the word of scripture in order to be corrected and to be taught the scripture. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. But we don't like to be corrected. I don't know about you. I don't like, I'll just tell you a little secret about me. I don't like to be corrected. I'm a firstborn. I do everything right. (laughs) So it's hard. It's hard to be corrected. And you know how I know it's hard to be corrected? When someone in love comes to me and gives me truth and something in me goes, don't you tell me what you Say what? You talking to me? Who are you to tell me? You know. You know what it's like. And sometimes, let me just tell you, we avoid the word of God because we don't want to be corrected. We avoid taking in and reading the word of God because what if the Holy Spirit speaks up through the word of God and says, ah, 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 ah. That's it right there. There's something that you need to correct. Let me instruct you. Let me correct you. Let me teach you the way that you should go. We would much rather just close the book. And well, if we just never open it, then we're never going to be corrected. And we're never going to be taught. And we're going to stay the same. And we're not going to hear the voice of the Lord speak to us. How will you know how to be a person who lives a life that truly pleases God without the God-breathed word? How will you know how to be a man or a woman that God has called you to be without the word? Husbands, how will you know how to keep your marriage alive and thriving and how to love your wife without the word of God? Wives, How will you know what God wants you to do about the man that you're married to without the word of God? Friends, how will you know how to raise your children to love God and live a life of devotion to him rather than being trapped by the culture and the culture's agenda for them? How will you know what God wants you to do in your life as a teenager 
How will you know that you're loved and accepted just the way that you are and that you have great potential to make a great difference in this world? How will you know? How will you know what God says about your life and what your purpose is? How will you find the power to be the person that God has called you to be? The answer to those things and more are right here. In the word of God. Not by watching a steady diet of television, not by filling your head and your heart with song lyrics, not by reading what celebrities are saying or how they're living, not by listening to what other parents are doing and how they're raising their kids, not by watching what others who seem to be successful are doing and trying to follow them. It's in the word of God. But there's such illiteracy in the Christian world today as to the word of God. There are Christians that don't know one book from the other, one verse from the other. They don't have any verses hidden in their heart. They don't know where to even find a book in the Bible. Why? It's not opened. It's not read. It's not internalized. And let me just tell you, you can't hear God's voice without his word. His word and his voice are connected. They are one and the same. It's through listening to the voice and his word that gives you direction when he works in your life. God's word is more than rules and guidelines. Hebrews 4.12 says, God's word is active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce, able to penetrate, able to divide. The word of God gets down into our heart and into our spirit and pierces through our self-talk and our perceptions and our deceptions and the way we see ourselves. The word of God has power to penetrate our soul and our spirit. It can separate what's of your soul, your thinking, your feelings, your will and your spirit and what God's spirit and word has to say. The word of God probes the inmost recesses of our being and brings the subconscious motives to light. God's word has power. I've had that experience. Maybe you have too. Where you have been thinking that you know what God says and what his word says and you know what the direction is and then God's word opens up to you and he says, this is it. This is it. This is the direction. This is the way. This is the thought. This is the perception. This is the way for you. God's word has the power. It can judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It calls out and convicts our thoughts and the attitudes of our heart that need to be changed and repented of and forgiven and where restitution needs to be made. My friend today, if God is speaking to you about such things like forgiveness and restitution, and you're not doing it, he's going to be quiet until you do. God has a way of doing that. He speaks. We listen. We decide no. Then we go back to God and say, God, speak to me. And he says, I did. And we don't. Oh, God, please, God. I just want to hear your voice. 
I just want to hear you speak to me. Show me your will. I did. And you didn't. Sometimes we can't hear God because we haven't done what he's already said. A good thing to do in prayer when you're not hearing God is to say, God, is there something that you've spoken to me about that I have not done? Go back to that point and obey at that point. What does 2014 hold for you? Do you know? I don't. (laughs) We can plan, we can look ahead, and we should. We can anticipate, we can desire, we can hope, and we should. But only God knows what 2014 holds. The best thing for you and the best thing for me in 2014 is get so close to God that you can hear his voice. How do you do that? Get his word, get it open, and get in it. Get his word, get open, get it open, and get in it and begin to read and begin to pray and to begin to ask God, God, speak to me through your living word. This word is alive. It'll talk to you. This word is alive. It'll correct you. This word is alive. It'll challenge you. This word is alive. It'll change you. You'll become a different person in 2014 if you interact with the living word of God. Change will happen no other way but interacting with God's word. And we as believers in this day, rather than looking at television and listening to the radio and listening to music and listening to iTunes and getting on the computer, we are oversaturated with all of that and we are starving for the word of God. We are lean. We are lean. We are weak. And we don't know why we're not stronger. Let's sing another worship song and we'll get stronger. You won't. This is bread. This is food. This will make you strong in God. The word. Where is the word? In the back seat of your car? Where is the word on the shelf with all the dust on it? Where is the word? Under your bed? Where, where is it? When has it been opened? When has it been read? When have you saturated yourself in the word of God last? We know more about football games and we know more about music and we know more about movies and we know more about games. We know more about much than this. And we're weak. The church is weak. The church can't fight in these days and stand up in these days because the church is weak. But the good news today in 2014 is we can get strong. We don't have to live weak. We don't have to live weak. We can live strong. And the strength of my life and the strength of your life is in this book. My friend, don't ever let this book out of your life. Don't ever get so busy that you don't have time for God to speak to you in and through his word. You said, Pastor Cindy, this is such an old-fashioned message. I know it is. But you know what? It's the truth. It's the truth. 
whether you're 17 or 77. This is the truth. Your life, hidden in the word of God, will stand forever. The word said, he that does the will of the Father will stand forever. I want to stand forever. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to be knocked over by the culture. I don't want to be convinced that the culture's right. I don't want to be drugged down with the world. I want to stand up, lock my knees, and stand there with the word of God and God speaking to me through it. My friends today, God has a word for you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. He'd love you to listen. He wants you to take time, carve out time, to listen to his voice, to you, through his word in this new year. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will reintroduce to us the richness of your word. The depth of your word. To hear your voice in your word. Lord, there are some of us that have become so casual with your word. We've been fast-fooding our way through this last year, and you have a banquet table spread out before us. Lord, I pray today that we will say to you in prayer, God, I'm listening. I know you're speaking. I'm listening. Just with our heads bowed before we close this morning, you just want to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm listening. Would you just lift your hand with me this morning? Lord, I'm listening. I'm listening to you. As our hands are lifted, Lord, we say to you, I'm listening to you, Lord. I pray today, Lord, that we will commit time to hear you. Commit time to get acquainted with your voice and to listen to what you have to say to us and then to do what you're asking. For then, Lord, our lives will take on such a richness, a joy. Fulfillment, Lord, will come into our lives as we listen and as we obey. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.